my goodness, like, no, don't touch me, step bro. Like that. <laughs> oh, you're talking about porn. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hello and welcome to the Double Double <laughs> Podcast. Uh, we got a big show coming at you. Hopefully you're joining us live on Twitch. Uh, hopefully people are streaming in. I see that there's 10,000 of you currently in the room. Uh, I know that we are a global podcast. In the last month, we have been listened to more in Indonesia and in America than we have to in Canada. So that's really cool. And we've been listening to in over 60 countries. So thank you for tuning in. It's really exciting that we're expanding this tiny little thing. Um, so yeah, thank you for being here. And welcome to what promises to be a massive episode. For those of you who don't know, we had the draft on Wednesday and free agency on Friday. We have had a month and a half worth of basketball action happening in the last four days. And we're about to break that all down. But first things first, let me introduce my friends. The man with the can, the man with the plan, the man with a mustache today. He just got traded to the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, Alex Cleach. Hey, what's up, buddy? Uh... Today we're doing a beer from Brewsters. It is the River City Raspberry Ale. Okay. What's Brewsters? Brewsters. Brewsters. Cool. Brewsters. Yeah. It's. Uh, I don't know if it's a big bar or if it's kind of just Canadian or Calgary or whatever. Also in Edmonton. But uh, it's just a local place that has their own, their own craft beer and the uh, raspberry one. Very, very nice. A, a, okay. a good amount of raspberry in it. It's uh, more of a summertime beer than I would say, you know, your classic just casual drinking beer. So if you're looking for something to enjoy in the sun, give it a give it a, give it a go. Fantastic! And looking snazzy because we need sex appeal on this show. We got Sydney <laughs> the Myth over there, Mr. Brock Boyd, with the dope hairstyle and the beautiful shirt. How you doing, young man? Thanks, Josh. What an intro. Uh, I'm doing really good. I've uh, been looking after a demon dog. She's all right. She just doesn't listen to anything. I've um, got a new phone. Kind of been playing around with that quite a bit. I really, it didn't log in all my, like, old passwords and accounts. So I'm mm. trying to remember everything from the last, like, five years of my life. So that's always fun. Yeah. Especially because the last five years have been a bit of a blur for you. <laughs> oh, Josh. They definitely <laughs> have. You're so right. <laughs> this dude just always oh. takes shit that's not his. Like, Actually, just you're shit so that's right. yours. Fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> he's always, t- he's always taking my you. shit. Like, Jordan, me. did you get a haircut? Um, yeah, I suppose since the last time I saw you, this whole thing. Yeah, I got, I got a haircut. This It was growing really long, and I was like, whoa, <laughs> I should get this cut. Wow, it looks good. It looks, and you dyed it from your natural blonde hair that we saw all summer. Yeah, I decided to go to brunette. Uh, was having fun as a blonde, and uh, let me just say I got back to my roots. <laughs> quite, quite. <laughs> and which one would you say has more fun, blondes or brunettes? Um, I think I might have to do some more research, but I think blondes. Okay, okay. And have you considered any other hair colors? Uh, just rainbow, so nothing serious. Oh, fantastic. That I, would be I like a look. That. It would be. Would you, go, would you go rainbow this way or rainbow this way? Well, you see, what I would do, Josh, is I'd have rainbow, in the middle I'd have a kitten surprise, and then I'd go rainbow again. Oh, uh, of course. I should have assumed that. I should yeah. have assumed that. Uh, all right, well, any fun stories from the last few weeks, guys, before we jump in? Um... Think other than just giving a big hello to the group, to everyone's been back in for? touch. We've been playing a lot of Halo. 
you have been playing. We have been, been playing, playing a lot of Halo. Of Halo. Well, I guess Brock was involved in that. And Josh is too. So it's basically just you not being. Like, you're the only one who hasn't been playing a lot of Halo. You know, it's, it's a team building activity. It is. We, you don't we, want to be part of it. <laughs> we uh, we did go to Banff though. Went oh, to yeah. went to Banff on a Wednesday night. Uh, I think it was roughly. 36 hours before the uh, the province put in the two-week lockdown of bars being closed at 10 a.m. Yeah. So uh, we took advantage of it. And they heard about your super spreader event and locked the province down. Our super spreader event? Yeah, it was a joke. Um, um, I'm nailing it today, guys. I'm nailing yeah. it. This is already... I'm, I'm, on, I'm on a roll. <laughs> I'm like butter. I'm on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. You're on a roll like Cottonelle. (laughs) Definitely not referencing the 2012 lyric All Me by Drake. Check it out on Spotify. And actually, the last time I I went to the grocery store, right before they put in the two-week lockdown, and what do you know? Basically almost sold out of toilet paper again. Like, it's got to be the shortage of the year like we're running low on tp everywhere that shit's crazy (laughs) (laughs) Uh, must be the super spreaders they can't keep it contained in one square (laughs) (laughs) all right well this is off to a rocky start guys let's move on to our forte and that is basketball and we start every episode with a little segment with mr mustache himself alex cliche with real news biggest thing I guess just to touch on is the NBA and the Players Association finalized a December 21st uh, start to the season. Uh, It's going to be 72 games and basically I just kind of want to open up the discussion of what this is going to mean for the upcoming season and how big of a advantage does the season now become for teams that did not go to playoffs. Mm. Like are you in a better position for the upcoming season because you had a proper off season, whereas teams that went deep in the playoffs have two, two and a half months. It's not the usual time frame, so their bodies are going to take a little bit more wear and tear. Well, I think the first thing to consider, Earrings, is that the, <laughs> the playoff teams have, uh, on all teams, once the lockdown happened, had a big extended hiatus in which they were able to recover their bodies. So yes, the postseason just happened, but I don't think it's the same wear and tear that we would have seen in a regular season in the, in the terms of they're at a disadvantage because they went longer and other, no teams did. I think that's mitigated a little bit by that extended period of off time that they had. Uh, and two months is a considerable amount of time too. So I think that once the season does start, I think that the older the players are in the NBA, they might be the ones feeling a little bit more of that. But I think that for the most part, they should be starting from a fresh, even, clean slate. Well, and, one thing I noticed too is like uh, I think I saw it on Instagram somewhere, looking at just the Golden State Warriors compared to the Lakers. Golden State Warriors has been two hundred something days since their last game played, yeah. which all the injuries, all their uh, previous experience going to the finals that many years in a row, that they can use all the help they can get. Now, obviously, Alex might touch on uh, what happened with Clay. Big blow, they're making a lot of trades, but the biggest thing is, I mean, that's still so much time off, like, especially for all those injured players and guys that are coming in and not knowing their role, anything like that. It's a short amount of time, but I think Golden State specifically is the winner out of all that. Yeah. yeah and I think 
And that's the and go, sorry, go the, ahead, Josh. The, the, the thing that I'm most concerned about is uh, LeBron James, and not maybe this season, but it's going to be a really long two and a half year span with them coming back and playing in the bubble, him getting two months off, going back into a 72 game season where the over under for him playing games has to be like 55 games because he's going to have to rest because then we have right into the Olympics and then right back into another 82 game season because the playoffs are going to go a little bit longer. They're going to try to cut it off right before the Olympics so players can still go. But then that means for them to start a regular season again at the end to mid-October, it's going to the next two-ish years for LeBron James's body getting older is going to be really tough on him. So we're going to see how much he plays and if his Iron Man ability and Teflon Don ability to stay on the court, maybe we start to see a bit more wear and tear and a bit more of a decline with LeBron James. And that's, uh, that's kind of where I was wanting to pose the question was more towards Kawhi with the load management. LeBron, who has kind of already said he's going to take some games off with the December 21st start. And then looking at the, the so for those that are uninformed, Clay Thompson is out for the second straight season as he yeah. has torn his Achilles. And if I'm wrong, just feel free to correct me, but I'm pretty sure it was done in a non-basketball sense. I think it was, it was training. It was in the tra- like training or in the weight room. And so that's where, you know, his knee, his knee was the issue this past season. But that's where... Although they had an extended break, they didn't have the right uh, abilities, the capabilities of a proper fitness center. So they were doing yeah. things a little bit different, which kind of, they, they, they go down going into it and then they have to work back up. And we kind of experienced the same thing where all we could do was like body weight squats and push-ups and our ability to get the proper fitness in our time where we were resting was not... Uh, it just wasn't good enough. So we see kind of something happen with Clay Thompson, which you could argue there's a bit of a uh, correlation that could come from the knee injury, but it's tough to say. So with the 72-game season, I think it's going to keep the players more well-rested for the NBA playoffs because they have less time in the offseason. But the start of the season, I think we might see a little bit of a lazy, fair beginning. Yeah, well, and they're not gonna have they're not gonna have that like like the rookies are gonna have the summer league, right? And they're not going to have the preseason to get warmed up. They're just going right into it. So I would look for like other than maybe the Christmas games, the first month of the season to kind of be like a warm up where teams are trying to get wins, but it's not going to be the greatest basketball you've ever seen. At least the slowdown for January, February will be so bad. Usually, those are some rough games to watch. People are just mm-hmm. kind of completely mailing it in, waiting for the all-star break. Hopefully that's all gone this year. And a lot of it well, can be attributed to individual and team approaches to preparation and their readiness because we saw in the bubble where some teams had clearly already checked out and engaged in some sort of off-season where they just entered the bubble and got slapped and smacked around by every team they play. I'm looking at the Brooklyn Nets. So there could be, what I mean by this is there could be teams that are ready to go and are going to look clean and like well-oiled machines. Like we saw the Raptors and the Suns come out in the bubble and there's going to be teams that are sloppy. And I think that that'll be indicative to their success as the season goes on because the more ready and engaged and prepared they are could very well translate to their contending chances and how they view their odds are at getting a championship or even playoffs. Yeah, and, this, the season, and for the playoffs, the season's changed. Uh, 
something that maybe you were going to bring up, Alex, but uh, it's not just eight teams going for the postseason now. We're also not going to see that slowdown, I think, because it's 10 teams going for the postseason because the 7-8 seed is a play-in game now mm-hmm. um, with the 9-10 seed. So they're restructuring it that way, uh, which means that only one-third of the league isn't going to qualify for the playoffs, which is going to look a lot worse on a GM's resume and owner's resume if you are in that bottom five teams in your conference, especially in the East, where as long as you, like, show up to every game, you should be in the, like, bottom ten. Like, what, what do you need? You need 25 wins to be in the top ten in your conference? It's atrocious there. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see teams at the bottom end of the Eastern Conference, their approach to the season. Uh, looking at, and we'll get into them in a few minutes, Charlotte Hornets and some of their really weird moves that they've made. And does that make them a, a top 10 seed? In Atlanta the Hawks. So that's that's something that we'll talk about here a little bit later. And obviously with the Clay Thompson injury, we saw the Golden State Warriors making some, some changes uh, to their personnel because obviously I think I think unanimously amongst us four here, we would say the Golden State Warriors had an offseason with injuries. They drafted exactly where what they needed to draft, and they were looking pretty poised to be another championship contending team after, you know, having a year off. But now the Clay Thompson injury, that's a big that's a big hit for the team. So we'll talk a little bit more about about yeah. uh, obviously well, trades, free agents, the draft coming up here. I do want to here. say about Clay, I heard uh, Stephen A. Smith say the other day, and I rarely agree with him, but he said, without Clay Thompson, they're still a playoff team with Steph, but they are not a championship team. Like, do you guys agree? Do you think that they're still a playoff team? Absolutely. I, they're absolutely a playoff team. Yeah. I'm just saying, especially with all their trades and free agent signing, I, mean, I guess more trades, I think they've built a really good team again. Yeah, I, I, I think they do have a strong team. So there's there's not too much that needs to be talked about in any old news. Um, for the NBA, it was this previous Monday that they allowed organizations to begin trading. The NBA draft occurred on Wednesday night, and then we saw free agency open up on Friday. So there's a lot that has gone on over the last couple of days we will get to that uh, very, very shortly. One other thing that uh, <laughs> that uh, music. yeah that Brock uh, brought up was in Memphis. There's a baby giraffe that has been named after point guard John Morant. Aww. So just a, just a bit of a fun fact, I think, to uh, to wrap up. Unless one one last just giraffe. Yo, that'd be, I, that'd be, be so much better. John <laughs> I like that. But he, uh, John Morant said he went and visited the giraffe, and he said, if I get into the dunk contest, I'm going to dunk over this giraffe. <laughs> Creative. Better than the big Titanic. And I said, exactly what the NBA wants is a giraffe's neck getting snapped on live TV. Are you kidding me? Have you seen giraffes hitting each other's necks? Jordan and I were at the zoo last week talking about it. They smack necks, bro. Oh, Jordan yeah. and I practiced and ended up making out. Yeah, they smack neck. Whoa, I forgot that part. We're going to say that live. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, my God. Wow, look at them hit necks. And you did it in front of your son. He's going to have such a weird complex between the pod wife and uh, two fellow potters. It's going to be a weird yeah. dynamic for your son. Yeah, we're his Harry Potters. 
Man, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling this, guys. I'm feeling this jaw wrap. Harry Potter's. There we go. One other thing for any old news. How do you think the Raptors playing in Tampa uh, mm. is going to affect them? Um, uh, that's tough to say. I'm, I'm going to go out and say it's going to be. I think they're going to struggle to start because it's going to be very unorganized uh, for the beginning of their season, figuring out their living situation, getting sorted with the family. Uh, getting into the routine of using a different facility for the weight room aspect, for the shoot-around aspect, for the game aspect. They're not going to have a home crowd, which definitely definitely puts them at a, at a disadvantage because playing at home for the Toronto Raptors is definitely a big upside to uh, the organization. So I think it's going to be a pretty rocky beginning, uh, just getting situated with everything. But I think once they become a little more familiar with their environment, uh, with their schedule. Uh, I think they'll be okay. I still think they're going to be a playoff team. So I, well, think I have a question for you, Alex. Sorry, I have a question for you, Alex, just because you know more about other sports, and maybe you other guys know too. But So how is the NHL season going to be structured? Because if the government's not allowing American teams for basketball to come in and play in Toronto because of the virus going on, what's going on in the NHL? Are all of our six or seven NHL teams having to find U.S. facilities, or what's going on there? So the, the, the NHL really does not have a lot of information that has come out about the upcoming season uh, to this point. Uh, they're still planning to move forward with it. I don't think they've got into the nitty-gritty of it. Uh, they're looking more for a January beginning. Okay. Um, then I have a Christmas ga- day game, kind of like the NBA, right? They're more... The no, NBA yeah. is marquee yeah. for Christmas. Yeah. Like, yeah. What's more prosperous for the NHL is the New Year's Eve games. Mm. Uh, so, But with people not being able to go to the New Year's Eve games, that's the big selling point is you go there, eat some food, have some drinks. The game's usually over by... 10 10 30 and then you're able to they're usually pretty central locations so you can go to the game and then immediately after go and have drinks somewhere else but that's not really going to be a thing um they'll have to figure something out so the way that the nhl had it was they did edmonton and toronto toronto for the for the bubble so i would think that based on the amount of teams that there are they might, like, they won't do a bubble, but the, I, I don't think that Canadian teams are going to be forced out. It just depends on if uh, they might have fewer home games, they might have more road games. I really, I, I don't have enough info to go off of it, but I wouldn't think, Fair enough. because they, because they're pretty predominant, like, there's six, seven, I think seven Canadian teams. If you just go without them or force them to relocate, it's going to be pretty difficult to have. And you're really screwing over, especially for the NHL, like so much of your support, your fan support's from Canada. Like I know there's a lot in, in the States just by sheer numbers, but if you're taking away all Canadian home games, you're, you're, you're isolating your main, one of your main support groups. And it's going to be tough for the NHL too because their revenue is based uh, a lot off attendance. Whereas the NFL has massive TV deals, the NBA has massive TV deals, and NHL has TV deals as well, but their revenue is not as significant from the TV deals. It's more about putting people in seats. Fair enough. All right. Well, that was... Any old news! Alex Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, let's move into the draft, guys, because the draft happened first. On Wednesday, 
we had the NBA draft, and it had a bit of a different format this year. Adam Silver was standing in a room. Uh, Woj was sitting above. Um, Woj was saying that he wasn't going to ruin any picks, and yet two minutes before every single pick, he would say, it looks like this team might be interested in, and then they were always interested in and always <laughs> picked that guy. Uh, but the dra- then all the players were sitting at home, and they had a big Mountain Dew box with a lock on it with 30 hats and a bunch of other gear, which I thought was kind of a nice touch. Um, my first question is, what do they do with the other 29 hats? Do those go back to headquarters, or do your boys take them all, or do they not? Because you now only play for one team, so screw you guys. You can't wear the other 29 hats. <laughs> Good question. Uh, I think that the price point of 29 hats to the NBA does not matter. So whatever you do with those hats, I don't think they really care. Okay. Maybe give them up to charity or something. I don't know. That'd be a good idea. Mm, I like her. She's a nice person, charity. Um, all right. Well, the draft went down. The top three was kind of predetermined with Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, and LaMelo Ball going in some sort of order. Uh What do you guys think about the top three as the Timberwolves? Did they get the best pick in the draft with Anthony Edwards? Or was there someone else that you guys would have looked at? I think they got Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) Anthony Edwards was my number one pick in the draft. Um, I did think he was the best player. Um, It was my understanding, though, that the Timberwolves did think that uh, Wiseman was a better overall prospect, but they were curious about pairing that with him with Cat. Um, Mm. And I was mentioning it to the other guys while we were uh, around some of the draft draft hoopla on TV, and it just confuses me about why teams still take players that that fit positionally with them because we've seen... In every historical situation where when a team yeah. tries to address the need of their team, they often miss out on that generational talent that completely changes the look of their franchise. So that always baffles me. However, I do think Anthony Edwards was the right pick. Wiseman looks like he could turn out to be pretty nice. And I think Lamelo is destined for the similar outlook as Lonzo. Name um, five times that's happened besides Michael Jordan, Kevin Durant, and Darko Milicic. <laughs> yeah, those other two are just so elusive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it's interesting seeing Edwards go at the top. Uh, I was more fan of Wiseman, um, but no, you're right. Wiseman and Cat. Just not sure how that would work. Uh, Brock, you wanted to jump in. What did you have to say about Anthony Edwards? I pretty much had the same thing. Um, I, I didn't think he was the best player necessarily of, the, of this draft. I actually think LaMelo is going to be, if he doesn't flare out, I think he'd be one of the best players. Um, but again, he didn't really fit. I think Minnesota got the best fit of the top three players available. Wiseman, I had going to the Warriors pretty early on, since they had that number two pick. Um, I like LaMelo and Charlotte. I like all three picks. What am I going to say? I, li- I like all three picks. Yeah, and it's just with the whole LaMelo thing, like it's rare. Like He's going to have to be a really big pattern breaker when it comes to unorthodox shots being elite shooters in the NBA because it, those are rare. Like I can think of Kevin Martin, like Sean Marion was decent by no means a Reggie marksman. Miller. Uh, Reggie, Reggie Miller, I wouldn't say so Reggie much Miller as... Reggie Miller shot like this. He but, shot with both elbows out. 
Uh, I think that's like it's still like no, they weren't like wide out like that like you're holding it like I think maybe it was a little bit unconventional but I think that he is more orthodox when comparing the guys that we're talking about for sure and even Lamelo and Lonzo and we've shown we've seen that his brother Lonzo has struggled struggled mightily um, and shooting was one of his biggest strengths in college um, along with his playmaking so. Uh, that's my concern with Lamelo. He's another guy who relies heavily on that marksmanship from deep. Can he translate it to the NBA? We'll see. But uh, in my eyes, it's uh, he's lost the benefit of the doubt, um, unfortunately, yeah. because of his brother. So now it's up for him to prove that he can actually be that stud that so many people think that he will be. Lamelo's got yeah, a really yeah. quick shot too. It's not that it's just uh, a little unorthodox. I think it's almost like Steph, Steph-like quick. And when you have a shot that quick and you get hit from deep, uh, it, it's going to translate. But yeah, it's, a... it's, it's cool that they had two balls go in the top five, like, over time. But it feels at this point like his family is more of a hindrance than a help. You know, like, having your dad, like, being worried about that he could go on first take in the morning and cuss out the coach. Like, no other player in the draft brings that. Um, knowing that the brother's shot has been pretty unfixable, there's a bias that goes against that, right? Like, people don't look at the Plumleys the same way that they do as the balls, you know, or the holidays, right? Like the balls come with the stigma attached to them. That's going to be tough for him to overcome. Uh, but at least we're, we might get to finally see LeVar put Michael Jordan in his place in a one-on-one game. So I'm excited. <laughs> it's true. LeVar is the greatest player of all time. We just don't get to talk about it. So what, what I think, I think that the top three makes a lot of sense. I think that uh, if we're going based on the top talent also fitting the roster, James Wiseman was, for me, as soon as I saw that Golden State had the second pick, it seemed like an absolute no-brainer for them to go out and get James Wiseman. Uh, And then I think LaMelo going third and Anthony Edwards, it's really really up in the air uh, for which which way you want to go. LaMelo just has, obviously, LaVar, I'd say a ton of pressure because the balls have been so hyped up for so long before they were even anything. And what I've seen over the last the last year or so is LeVar has definitely faded out of the spotlight. So yeah. if it remains that way, I think LaMelo stands a better chance because now that he's faded out of the, the Lonzo ball uh, Lonzo Ball and LaVar kind of going hand in hand as a spotlight partner. I think Lonzo has improved. Uh, he didn't have a great rookie season, but he has improved. And yeah. if he continues to improve, he will be a good player. Mm-hmm. The The argument for how great he will be is still undecided because he's so young, but it could yeah. happen in the next couple of years. And for LaMelo, I think if he's able to, if he's able to come out and make an impact with a team that really doesn't have anything else. I think that's a good enough starting point, uh, and I think that's all they're really going to expect. Again, the greatness of LaMelo is hard to say. There wasn't a lot of publicity around him playing in Australia, just that the Australian competition is pretty good. Um, playing against grown yeah. men, yeah. So it's just it's going to be a wait-and-see type thing. Uh, Anthony Edwards playing in the NCAA. Uh, James Wiseman kind of playing a couple games and then just preparing for the draft. Yeah. Uh, I still, I'm, I'm high on James Wiseman. I think he's yeah. the best out of those three, but it's just going to be a matter of uh, waiting and finding out. And my sneaky pick 
which I'm actually surprised that it's gotten to a point where it is even like could be under the label of sneaky is Cole Anthony. I mm-hmm. think that he has the potential to be the greatest player yeah. in this draft. He's smart. And he fell. Yeah, he fell. He slipped really, really far. And a lot of it was injury concern. But when you look back at the his Carolina season, his one season there, you could tell in every game that mattered that he had that it factor that this is a big game. This is a crunch time game. I'm going to rise to the occasion and not only just do what I do every other night, but I'm going to elevate and I think that that is like such a important characteristic to observe in a player. Um, it's why players like Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade were able to actually make something of themselves because once they got to that stage and they elevated, people noticed and were like, wow, this dude is really good. And Cole Anthony has that factor. He's incredibly skilled. Um, and I, I'm really excited to see what he could do because, it, yeah, it, it does amaze me that he slipped as far as he did. Yeah, it reminds me of it reminds me of what happened to Michael Porter Jr., right? And how he was the number one prospect and he fell to 14. And we saw in this year's bubble that there are reasons to believe that Michael Porter Jr. could maybe be pretty darn good. Cole Anthony does have that potential. He came in as the most highly touted. He's someone who, frankly, could have really benefited from the NCAA tournament happening this mm-hmm. year and maybe getting one or two big games in the spotlight. He could have gone right back up those draft boards. But that brings me to uh, what my first question was going to be, and maybe you've already answered it. Maybe it's not the case. But who outside of the top three to you guys has the potential – for being the rookie of the year, being that uh, best player immediately, maybe not long-term, but who's your rookie of the year pick outside of those top three? Let's start with Brock. One guy I actually really like, uh, I've been watching more and more of his highlights and his game film. I think his situation fits as a good story, which I know the NBA and voters love. Uh, I think you might choose me. I think you might, I mean, not me, the same guy I'm going to choose, but yeah, go for it. Josh Green from the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> um, no, I was going to say Obi Toppin. Yes. Yeah, because he's, a, he's an energetic guy. He's a guy going to crash the rim. If he can fit into that system, I don't think he's going to be the best player even, which is going to help. So R.J. Barrett, if he makes another jump, if he makes a jump from his rookie to a sophomore, that's going to be huge for him. He can take some of that pressure off. Um, Dennis Smith Jr. has been written off. Again, I want to see what he looks like. I'm not going to say he's a savior by any means, but I've always liked him as a point guard, and I've always believed in what he can do. So maybe if he just finds that confidence and is able to bring that. Um, I'm trying to think who else is on the Knicks. Mitch Robinson is going to be the perfect five to that crashing, energetic four that Toppin can be. I just think that between the story, the hometown, the Knicks, if they become, yeah. if they are a playoff team in the East, that's probably the best thing any rookie can do for, any perceived rookie can do. Unless you look at someone like Cole Anthony and he just takes out off right away or partway through early in the season really starts figuring it out. Well, and it's interesting because I rarely agree with what the Knicks do. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's a little bit of skepticism (laughs) because there's a lot of propaganda that comes out of New York and we got to cheer on New York. But what it speaks to what Jordan said earlier, which is why are teams drafting for the best fit and not for the best player on the board? Mm -hmm. And, And Obi Toppin was the best player on the board. They had so many forwards in New York that if they'd been following the draft for the best fit, they wouldn't have picked him. But... He, he, yeah, he's an older player, and there's a lot of uh, preconceived notions in the NBA about an older player coming into the league. Uh, but he was a, t- a high flyer, big time scorer, who really got better throughout his NCAA career, who has potential to be a 
phenomenal player in the NBA. It's going to be interesting to see. He's coming in. He's older than R.J. Barrett, but he does. He's got that big muscular frame. He's not quite Zion, but if Zion wasn't in the league, everyone would go, "Wow, that guy's well, huge." I like the comparison when he was getting drafted uh, to Amari Stoudemire. Yeah, um, I like. And again, using a Knicks system that if a player is, what is the Knicks system? It's Thibodeau's system, system now. Is they have no system. <laughs> it's Thibodeau's system now. So it's run and gun, play defense, and if you're not out there trying, I'm not afraid to bench you. Thibodeau's system is run and gun? It's running. I didn't say about necessarily gunning. Definitely running. running. Definitely running. <laughs> and running. Well, We're a running team. Running gun, Brock? <laughs> you're right. You didn't say running gun. We're a run and run. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, Alex, who's, who's your pick for rookie of the year if it's not one of the top three? See, so I like I like Brock's uh, Obi Toppin pick there. Um, the uh, there there's three specific guys that I like quite a bit. I don't know Great. Tell if, me. if we're talking for specifically rookie of the year. I'm just going based on the hype around the mm-hmm. Israeli uh, Denny Avediva. Avediva. Yeah. Avediva yeah, I think. He looks yeah. good. There is a lot of hype around him, so that's why if we're talking for the rookie of the year potential. I think he steps into a to a role where he's able to make an immediate impact, and if he is able to match the hype, then I think he's a rookie of the year candidate. The other two, the other two picks that I quite like, but more for sneakiness, okay. is the Miami Heat got uh, Precious Achiua, and I think if you can find a way for him to play alongside, uh, I'm blanking on his name right now. The, the center for the Heat. Bam. Bam? Bam out of bio. I think if you can find a way for those two to play together or for yep. him to back up Bam, or I think if he gets six-man minutes, he's got he's got a good frame. He'd be able to make a difference for the Heat. But mm-hmm. I think the steal is Denver acquiring another guy that down the road might be a centerpiece, and that is R.J. Hampton. Mm-hmm. He slid. Uh-huh. I think that is a big steal for Denver, which they were able to get Michael Porter Jr. last year and Bull Bull, who I think both were injury concerns, and that's why they fell this far. I think MPJ was the year before, but yeah, go ahead, sorry. And, and now I think that you have another guy that you traded for late in the first round who slid, and that's RJ Hampton. And I think he might not have a great first year, but he has the kind of upside that Michael Porter Jr. and Bull Bull have. So over time, he might turn out to be a, a career starter. And how and good he might be. building a very, very solid team. Yeah. They're smart about it. Like every one of their picks seems like their trades are doing really well. Um, I, I'll leave it up there. The one thing I did want to say about uh, Denny Abadia is only because he's playing for Washington this year, there's a lot of question marks flying around. So let's just say there's no trades done and they're running it with John Wall, Beal, and... Uh, Breton's just got a big contract, which we'll probably talk about. They, they've got enough pieces that he's going to be relegated to, uh, to a, a role that's... It's going to be a rookie role. Hit some open shots, but don't go out of your way to try and do something. Unless he's that kind of player that you see it right off the bat and he's given a little more reign. I do think his rookie season is going to be pretty... Uh, but he is a good shooter there. too, right? Mm-hmm. So. I just don't see rookie of the year winning from just a couple open shots. Fair he's going to have to prove more. Like, Obi Jordan. Toppin will step in in New York and he'll be... If, if Thibodeau lets him play, yeah. Yeah, I'll just go right off the bat, and I, I do like Cole Anthony, provided he can stay healthy. That's my pick. I think he'll be the rookie of the year. It's a good situation mm-hmm. with the Magic, too. There's no emerging 
or uh, I would say solidified superstar or like all like Nikola Vucevic's uh, their main option right now. And Marco I like faults in uh, was it Jonathan Isaac? The next yeah, players. exactly. And, and, and even Isaac off. is going to be out for a chunk of this season too. So he's got the right opportunity for it there. It's just he Cole Anthony does have to stay healthy, obviously. Um, what I was going to say with the Danny Avigia uh, bit is that I yep. think. And I'm hoping that it's not this type of Dirk and Bargnani situation that is going that right after a, a European Luka. comes in, uh, like Dirk and Porzingis and other guys, and now Luca that have done so well that we see this like thing Wait. happen the next year where it oscillates and they're like, oh, we got to really value these European prospects because look at this. We don't want to miss out on that next guy. And then yep. you end up taking Andrea Bargnani first overall Darn or Darko Mil- Milicic uh, yep. second overall. So um, I, I do think that Denny could be a good piece. Um, I just don't know how much stock is being given to him that is appropriate um, if they see things like cause he is getting comparisons from some his pundits as being a Luca type player, which is absolutely unfair for any player now because yeah. Uh, yep. that is a future potential goat that we're looking at yep. right now. So yeah, same um, thing compared to LeBron. Same thing. Like you exactly. have so much on your shoulders. Exactly. Yeah. So there's going to be an, an immense amount of pressure on him now. He did slip in the draft significantly, so maybe it's a uh, a little bit, uh, I guess, tapered. But we also saw Luca slip in the draft too. So I don't know. It's a. It, it, we'll see what happens. Um, I doubt he'll be even close to Luca, but. The, we'll the comparison that I've heard for Denny Avija that makes a little more sense is a three-point shooting Ben Simmons. Similar frame, mm. similar height, length, ability to dribble the ball and get to the rim, but he can shoot three-pointers. So even if his ability to dribble and get to the rim is less than Ben Simmons, having that three-point shot is going to make him, I think, more lethal than Ben Simmons. I don't I like think it. he's going to be a Ben Simmons in his first year by any means. And if yeah, he's a good shooter, he really opens things up for John Wall. If John Wall, again, no trades, whatever, if he's able to be back to his old self, just running the floor, crashing, um, just wreaking havoc on, on the opposing defense, if he can get those open shots and he can knock them down, I mean, that's going to go a long way for, for Denny Abadia. So really quickly to wrap up the draft talk, uh, if you guys have any picks for potential duds in this draft, and I'll go first because my potential dud is the exact same pick as my potential stud of being Obi. Um, I think he's got a high ceiling, but being in New York, the fact that there are a lot of forwards there, the fact that he's at home and there's going to be pressure of the New York media built on top of his own friends and family, I could see him potentially flaking out. And he is an older player coming to the league. And with Tom Thibodeau coaching him, who's notoriously yeah. known for not playing rookies. I mean, yeah. that's huge. So do you guys see any other big duds in the draft? Uh, anyone who you think, like, uh, I also think LaMelo could be a dud. Like, yeah, who you, that's my pick. LaMelo is my pick. Years. I think that he's going to struggle significantly, get a little bit of a smack in the face of the NBA, go that's from the one. same type of hype that his brother had to seeing the same type of challenges his brother had. And... I think he has a very high possibility of responding the exact same way. Fair. Alex? We're kind of just going through the picks right now here. Let's yeah. see. Okay. We're, we're going through, so I definitely found some more steals, but they could be duds as well because they're in the second round. Um, yeah. Someone I'm going to pick to be a dud, strictly because I've never heard of this fucker, uh, Sadiq Bey. 
Uh, he was drafted by the Nets and then traded to the Pistons. Okay. Um, I have no idea who this guy is. So I've heard lots of good things about He's him. probably going to stay that way. Yeah, Brock? Name 32 of them. Yeah, what have you heard about him, Brock? He's precious. We can't let him out. That's not even his name. No, I know. It's a... Actually, wow, that was so off base. <laughs> it's a quality I'm giving him. Why would I say it's his name? Um, Dude, the, precious. The other guy that I think <laughs> might not uh, live up to the hype is number five pick to the Cleveland Cavaliers, and that's Isaac Okoro. Okay. <laughs> um, because there was a lot of hype around uh, who's the point guard that they took a year or two ago. Darius Garland Sexton. and Sexton, yeah. Yeah, Sexton. And so Sexton is a scorer, but, man, he's pretty bad at everything else. Um, and so with Cleveland that is directly in a rebuild with a franchise that uh, it's very difficult to attract good players um, in free agency, uh, I think he's if, if he does turn into something, it's going to be a while. Cleveland's not a team where you get drafted – Kyrie left, LeBron left. The only reason he came back was because he's from Cleveland and he wanted to win a championship for Cleveland. Otherwise, betcha he would not have come back. No. So I, I think as long as these guys stay in Cleveland, unless they're able to build that same kind of let's win it for Cleveland, well, I, I just don't – I think that as the fifth pick, I think he is he might be a bust. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen a whole, whole lot about him. Again, mainly just highlights and stuff once he actually got drafted, seeing who the guy was. I'm more of an NBA guy, not a college guy. Um, but listening to a lot of the comparisons, he's known more as a defensive guy. Because the between Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, they definitely have scores. Yeah. Kevin Porter Jr. was a good pick last year. Um, Kevin Love, if he doesn't get traded, can show these guys a thing or two still and hit those open shots. But it's up to these young guys to really... And it's it's also tough to, tough to be as informed on college because we usually base it on watching college basketball mm-hmm. which we did yeah. not have the luxury of doing this year yeah March so, Madness we're usually glued so it's if we were to be informed on college we would have to seek it out which yeah uh, we don't really do we watch games because we like watching college basketball because it's fun it's and competitive and again even for the informed scouts you're still seeing these players in controlled settings like workouts scrimmages yep. etc you're not seeing them on those high big high leverage moments on big stages so there's a lot of that that uh what's the what, like that championship pedigree or those innate qualities that players can have that just skyrocket their stocks and send other ones spiraling downwards we, we weren't yeah. afforded that that possibility fighting for every ball so things like that i think yeah this year more than ever we're going into a draft that a lot of people were kind of blind to I guess last thing about the draft as well, one thing I wanted to say is um, you were comparing Ball and his shooting to his older brother, and I, I just wanted to ask, Jordan, do you have a problem with both balls or mainly just one? Well, I think this really a both ball problem, but clearly I have no idea what it's about. So I'll stick to the one ball debates. I'll stick to LeVar. If I had to pick one ball, that would Daddy's be it. ball. One ball. Daddy's yeah. ball. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, before we get into free agency, there's two big trades that I want to talk about that happened. The first trade, uh, Stephen Adams went to the New Orleans Pelicans Bang. for 
uh, some first-round picks, and the Thunder will have 97 first-round picks over the next five years. Uh, so that's crazy. And the second is uh, that the numbers aren't exactly it's just right. A, now. Yeah, you're okay. saying like it's an like stupid amount of first-rounders. He takes yeah, everything have, really logically. <laughs> they have 17. They have 17 first-round picks between the 2021 and 2016 draft, which is wild. And secondly, uh, Chris Paul to the Suns. Uh, does anyone have any opinions on either of those? The Pelicans, I just want to say, are probably the primo team for NBA 2K. I can't think of another team I'd want to play if with. If 2K was playable, I agree. Yeah, thank you. And that's <laughs> a big if. Also, don't yeah. sponsor us, 2K, because your new game fucking sucks. Let's wait till we get the new yeah, gen. This one's fucking below Sort that shit out. Yeah. Or start they get worse every us. year. You have to start yeah. paying us to say good things because you're damn right we'll sell out and change our minds. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, actually, we like to now. <laughs> uh, uh, I like the Pelicans. <laughs> just talking about that briefly. They have a very complete team. Steven Adams is a bruiser. You talk to anybody around the league and he's somebody you do not want to go against. And he's somebody that doesn't need the ball, which is perfect for that system. Um, brings a lot of toughness, a lot of grittiness. He's had a lot of playoff experience. Again, that's going to be really good. And Chris Paul to the Suns, sleeper move. I don't think they should have got rid of Oubre. I thought he's a really good player. And then the Warriors ended up getting him. Good, good for them. But I think the Suns are looking – their Suns are going to be in the playoffs this year. And that's – that's uh, that's we've got some opinions in the chat as well. So Balding uh, confirming that the – uh, Oklahoma City Thunder have 17 first-rounders upcoming. And then a question was posed, uh, with the Suns getting Chris Paul but losing Oubre, is that, is, does that make them a lot better? I think if you were able to keep Kelly Oubre, I think that you have a very strong team. Top five team in the, in the West. And I, I still think they're a playoff team, but I do think Kelly Oubre is... Uh, I think that one hurts them a little bit because he had a great season with them. So This yeah. is all ignoring the fact that the Suns' most valuable person is a female. So as long as she can be signed in a part of the organization, they're in good shape. Who's that? If you know, oh. you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> She's not employed. She just comes over sometimes. Oh, right, right. The group BJ. I got you. Um, whoa, whoa. <laughs> sorry, sorry. How did you sorry. know about that? But, like, Kelly Oubre... <laughs> Great, like, but let's let's not kid ourselves. Chris Paul is like a top six, seven point guard ever. Like, it, there's there's really no comparison. There's and really he's, no and he's still fighting for that championship. That fight, that need to win every game. You're not you're not getting it out of some some veterans that that high, you know. And especially not the same kind of quality of play he's gonna give you. Oh, he's but he's not getting a championship until he does the Gary Payton in Miami, like shell of his former self. It's gonna be Los Angeles. It's gonna be the Lakers. He's doing that. Yeah. Once he's done with yeah, this contract, he'll, he'll be with the Lakers. Yeah. That'll be um, okay, well, let's get into free. Let's get into free agency, guys. Uh, it has been a hectic first few days. Let's talk about our home team right now, the Raptors. Getting uh, just picked apart. <laughs> what? <laughs> Getting picked apart. Yeah, they got back Fred Van Vliet, which, great. Yeah. Solid player. Really, really like him. $85 million, maybe 5 to $10 million more than... I would have gone for, but I understand that you want to pay the guy who helped you get a championship. There's a bit of a loyalty tax in there. Uh, let's let's just first reactions to Fred Van Vliet. Let's keep it fast because we've got a lot to break down. Uh, well, the the Raptors 
stop pretending for the like they have been for the last three years that they're not a disadvantaged franchise. They did a really good job for the last three years, but it's back to Raptor reality. That's they're overpaying for people that they wouldn't have to pay give as much money if they were in the U.S. or in a a different market. Um, it just that's all I can say about it is they're back to reality. They're the back to the way that the franchise has operated. It was a nice little three-year run, but I see them just hovering around that good, not great again until they finally rebuild. Overpaid for an undersized one. I like him. I, I like his hustle, his nickname, Steady Freddy. It all works for me, but I think they overpaid I for like a small one. No, Ed, I'm, I'm jumping on board with Jordan here. We have a difficult time as a franchise keeping talent. Mm. <laughs> as he appears shocked by it. Um, no, Tatum just signed yeah. a 195 max deal. Along with Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. They Big. both both signed maxes. And De'Aaron Fox, too. Um, but I, I think Toronto has to do what they can to uh, keep the talent that they have. I still think they're able to keep solid players, but they struggle to keep the superstars. So when you have a guy like Steady Freddy, if he wants to be there for another four years, Kyle Lowry's been around for a long time. Uh, I, I like I like the signing, considering that we have gotten a significant amount of money off the books this year, and the following season is probably going to be the same thing. So it's we we talked about this earlier. It's it's a rebuild at this point. He's a good enough starting one that if Masai Ujiri ends up turning this team around, selling again, selling it, redrafting, or ends up ends up building a good enough new team to compete during this contract, I think Seti Freddy's a good enough starting one for whatever we can get get. Yeah, uh, and we have to say goodbye to Serge Ibaka, and it looks like Mark Gasol. Uh, how's that gonna? How how many more? Uh, how many wins does that take off the table for us? Like Serge was a very solid player. Like to me, that's a decrease of five, ten wins losing both of those guys because Siakam, although a fantastic talent, he showed that he's not consistent. And Mark Gasol and Ibaka brought consistency every single night. Frankly, Ibaka should have played more against the Celtics because he was doing so well, mm-hmm. and we had a chance to make it to the Eastern Conference playoffs. So are, are you guys going to miss those guys as much as I do? They're huge. Uh, they, they were, no word of exaggeration, one of the biggest, some of the biggest moves to get us that championship. I think mm-hmm. behind... Kawhi and Kyle Lowry, really trying to think about it. I think they were the two next two best players. Uh, when you're building a championship con- contending team, you need guys that are going to be able to exceed and excel in their roles, which ultimately make that superstar player in the NBA look even better, which we saw those guys for Kawhi. And when yeah. Kawhi doesn't have that, those similar type of guys with that bring those intangibles he couldn't get it done this this offseason so I think that Masai and the Raptors organization did a, an incredible job surrounding uh, Kawhi with guys like that and those guys are now moving onwards to different places to go resume their roles of being that guy for those superstar championship contending teams and yeah the the Raptors will miss them I will say I will not miss Serge Ibaka I'm going to dislike him because he's now a clipper and <laughs> and I uh, not gonna miss Marcus Gasol either because he's probably gonna be a Laker. So uh, let's go Gasol. Let's get something done. Let's get you another ring, baby. 
All right. Um, so let's jump into really quickly because the chat was talking about it. Donovan Mitchell and Jason Tatum both signed five-year, $195 million contracts, which breaks down to $39 million a season. It's probably Ooh. back, so there's probably going to be some $42 million seasons near there at the end. That's normally how they're structured. Uh, but how do you feel? Are those guys $39 million players? In today's market, you get one per team. So for the Celtics, they've decided Tatum's their guy. Tatum is and for the, the guy. Chad, they've decided Mitchell's their guy. Is that the right pick? Absolutely, especially for the Jazz because it's yeah. another place that's uh, been kind of hard to keep those superstar players or even find and develop them. They're not going to be able to lure those kind of players in free agency. The Jazz are one of the teams that likely has to build themselves through the jet through the draft, and they were able to do that with Donovan Mitchell. He's a stud. He's got the X factor. Great signing. It was something that they had to do. I'm uh, I'm on I'm on board. I think they're both good signings, uh, especially with Utah not being as desirable a location to play. Um, and Tatum and Jalen Brown, I think, are the future of the Celtics. Uh, Tatum has shown, I think, that he's a slightly more diverse skill set than Jalen Brown, and I've I've got no issue with. Oh, you hit mute. You hit mute. That's random. On the Google chat. Are we there? Did you hear it now? Yeah, weird. That's so that weird. Was, that definitely must have been a glitch, but yeah. No one was touching the thing. Um, oh, I, good. Yeah, I, I, I think that Tatum is 100% the future of the Celtics, and you saw him put on a terrific playoff and bubble performance, and he's. I still don't think he's peaked either. I thought he underwhelmed in, the final, in their final series. But... You know, young guy. Yeah, uh, that's where I'm saying I don't think he's peaked. One thing I do want to say about the Celtics is goodbye financial flexibility. Yeah, uh, but next <laughs> year is the big question because now Brown's up for a big contract. He's playing really well, and he sees himself as one of the key features in Boston. Now, if he plays well enough, does he get traded, or does Boston make that financial burden? I guess like. What are, what are they supposed to do? I think Jalen's another guy where you do got to give him what he wants because he is integral and they need him. So whatever he's looking for, and they, they play need well to, together. They did need he... to manage that his expectations with the teams and get it done too. Did he not sign a contract recently? No, he's the year after. He was drafted the year after, so he yeah. could sign an extension this year, I guess. But I don't think I saw yeah, it. Also, here, here you go. Spare bedroom saying he's got a three-year, hundred twenty million dollar contract. So I thought there was a deal. And he hmm. got three-year 120, which is equivalent to 40 mil a year. Yeah, and we are forgetting that they shedded Gordon Hayward's humongous contract. Disgusting yeah. contract. Yeah, but also uh, it is worth noting when we're talking about playoff performance for Jason Tatum, he is, I just looked it up, exactly one day older than Obi Toppin. Okay, so Obi oh. Toppin's coming to the league right now to play his first game, and Jason Tatum just signed a $195 million contract. So he's, he's still very, very young. He was the youngest player in his draft. He's still very young. He's rookie-aged. Uh, older rookie-aged, but he's still rookie-aged. A senior a senior college player rookie. Yeah, and that's what yeah. we saw Donovan Mitchell do, too. So, And he's been pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. So, uh, let's look here, at... Here, Josh, I got a bunch of... It's just off Bleacher Report, and it's just like the what? whole breakdown of all the free agency. I'll just do it as quick as I can. Miami Heat preserved much of their core to come to the finals. Detroit uh, signed a bunch of bigs, including nearly 100 million... Of Denver Nuggets reserves bigs. That's a big one. Uh, Los Angeles Lakers uh, signed Wesley Matthews and Montrez Harrell. Yeah. Can you stop? 
what because I remember there was something that the Detroit Pistons did that really uh Jeremy Grant. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Grant and, three years for 60 million. I, I, he doesn't even spell his name right. Like, how does he <laughs> 60 million dollars? Because That's you saw how he played for the Nuggets, man. 20 million, I think, is I think 20 million is a fair contract for what he did. Right, I think it's very fair for he how he missed an easy alley oop to win a game in a playoff. I don't know, sixty million. It didn't matter because they still won. It was if he had missed it and they lost, and everybody misses mil. a layup here and there. It fucking happens. Okay, let me go on. I think I agree. I think that was a terrible contract, just my opinion. But yeah. and they also signed Mason Plumley to I believe a three-year thirty mil, something like that. The the Pistons are. They're rivaling the Sacramento Kings and the New York Knicks in my mind for worst run franchise right now. It's Cleveland's just, looking pretty bad too. Yeah, those are four yeah. bad franchises. Yeah. They at least had they at least had a championship in the last five years, right? You kind of get that grace period. Yes, they're horribly run, but they still had a championship. Detroit's a dumpster, dumpster fire, fire for yeah. fifteen years. Sacramento's a dumpster fire since Chris Webber, like for 17, 18 mm-hmm. years. Uh, the Knicks have been a dumpster fire since before they drafted Patrick Ewing. Like, it's just, they're they're terrible. Los Angeles Lakers landed Wesley Matthews uh, and scooped up Montrez Harrell from the Clippers on a two-year, 19-mil deal, which you're going to see a lot of those. I'm, yeah. I think the most surprising thing is he's two mil. He's bringing out episode prep. We're going to do a Lakers. So. I know, I know. I just wanted to say this quickly. So George is going to talk more about that. Uh, Utah Jazz signed Jordan Clarkson, and they brought Derek Favors back after one year in New Orleans. Uh, Atlanta, this one is a surprising one, signed Danilo Gallinari to a, I believe, three-year, eight-figure deal. Washington Wizards uh, got Davis Bertans on a five-year, 80-mil, and Joe Harris back to the Nets on a four-year, 75-mil deal. Uh, A lot of big money to big shooters. Clippers re-signed Marcus Morris. Dwight Howard had a funny one. Maybe I'm going to leave that for Jordan, but he's with the 76ers. <laughs> Toronto Raptors, right. obviously, with Fred Van Vliet. Gordon Hayward, another surprising one, turned down a 34-mil player option to... Uh, he said he wanted to sign with Indiana and then signs with Charlotte on a very weird deal. Uh, Phoenix Suns, I like this one. They picked up Jay Crowder. I don't remember how much, but that's a very good uh, Ubre replacement. So saying that you like that one is a really good cue. I'm going to cut you off because reading the list, there's a lot to go through. I got like five more, but go ahead. I just want to hear uh, from you guys. What's your one or two free agent signings that you saw and you went, fantastic. I'm excited to see what happens with that team. I'm excited to see with potentially Westbrook leaving, uh, Christian Wood on the Rockets. Mm -hmm. Christian Wood, he was someone who I'm shocked with the – Detroit Pistons handing money out everywhere that they didn't hand out money to Christian Wood. It wasn't expensive either. He's better than the options that they got, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so going to the Rockets, who they need big men. We saw last season them fall apart without any big men. Feed that kid. I'm excited to see what Christian Wood does. Jordan, other than Lakers stuff, what have you seen in free agency that has been really you're going that's helping that team is it gordon hayward i don't think it's gordon hayward what do you think nope (laughs) (laughs) yeah um i don't know if homer or not i just i don't i don't see any signings that are really wowing me um i i think that a lot of it is kind of 
more inconsequential moves where one team gets marginally better, one team gets marginally worse. Um, I, I, like I said, like even with those Raptors signings and the, or the ones that they lost to, I think it's the same thing. Uh, they're not, it's not like they're lottery bound now. Um, and it's not like other teams are instantly contenders. So I, I just, that's how I feel about the free agency. I think all of it has been relatively meh. We've definitely seen crazier off seasons. I just see a lot of relatively inconsequential shifts. Yeah, well, when Bleacher Report when Bleacher Report ranked the top players available for free agency, Fred Van Vliet was ranked number four. So he's a great player, but that tells you something about this offseason. Same thing with the draft. Lamelo's ranked number three. It's fine. It's not one of those summers where Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant. We're like an entire all-star team is up for grabs. Yeah. Uh, but Brock, was there a signing that's really uh, moved your pickle? I'm going to go, it's the same team, but two different signings. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks got get Danilo Gallinari, like I was saying, but I think another huge one who is going to back up Trey Young now, Rajon Rondo. That one really shocked me. I did not see him, not just leaving the Lakers, I didn't see him going to Atlanta. Did not see that one coming, no. but I, I like the look of this team. I really like the look of this team. Um, I think Atlanta is going to be in the playoffs. I think they're going to be six or above. Cool. As long as John Collins stays off the steroids, they should be good to go. John Collins, Clint Capella, Trey Young, um, Kevin Herter, Daniel Gallinari, Rajon Rondo. A lot of good players. Yeah, if Trey Young's stats don't continue to be empty with zero results of wins, they might be good. That would be really cool to see him not be an empty stats player. Uh, Alex. Any big free agent signings? So, yeah, the, the one that I liked was definitely the Hawks. I, I think the Hawks are putting themselves in a position to push for the playoffs this year. Um, and I don't remember who Jay Crowder went to. Suns. To the Suns. I do like Jay Crowder to the Suns as well. Uh, again, not a, not a lot of huge moves. It's saying in the chat uh, that it's kind of, you know, a lot more tame than it was last year. And you mentioned the same thing. There was a lot of big signings. But I've seen a lot of good uh, from the Portland Trailblazers. Mm. I don't think anything that they have done, again, has been super substantial. But they're getting a lot of nice uh, role players. Re-signing Carmelo Anthony, I thought was a nice touch. They they got Rodney Hood. Uh, They're still... Hassan Whiteside is still open, which I think they might let him go, honestly, now that they also acquired Enos Cantor. And still have Nurkic, yeah. So I think the Portland Trailblazers maintain their core, right? Whereas I think it was the last two seasons, they busted in the playoffs, and then this last season, there was almost no changes to the roster. They kind of decided, all right, let's try this again. And this year, I think there's some, some changes that are going to be beneficial to their playoff success. So uh, as long as they stay healthy, Carmelo still is able to put up 17 and six and does not become a ball hog. I, uh, I like the moves. I feel like they've swapped players that didn't quite work for players that they have had before and do work. What's that smile, buddy? What do you think about teams being in sync, Alex? In good hands. Yeah, just all together. Uh, what? <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, he did it. Fantastic. Nose game. Uh, Gordon Hayward, last thing we're going to talk about. Four years, $120 million, 
hasn't had a great season since he snapped his leg a few years ago. I know that he wanted to go to Charlotte in 2014, uh, and his uh, his offer sheet was matched by the Jazz, and so he went back there. Uh, is Michael Jordan the worst at this? He's pretty bad. I mean, if he wasn't with Charlotte, I'm sure he has a future with the Knicks. <laughs> hey. uh, All right. Gordon Hayward's contract, I think, is shit. I think that was a bad signing. He's getting overpaid substantially and I know he was a he was a very good player when he left the Jazz for the Celtics that injury he came back there's a lot of mouths to feed I get it maybe he didn't have a fair opportunity but he also still had injury battles the severity was less from the ankle that he experienced but he he just didn't do anything that significant with the Boston Celtics so to offer him an all-star contract. Uh, he is coming to a team where there's 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 really not a lot going on, anyways. But uh, I don't know. This might be the next Nicholas Batum contract for the Charlotte Hornets. Mm, you mean really bad? Yeah. Okay. Well, that wraps up free agency, the draft, the trades. There's a million other things going on. Um, but we end every episode the same way with the hypothetical oh, corner. We got one more. I thought Jordan's talking about the Lakers. Yep. And before we do that, as always, it's the Lakers corner. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, are we sure we're not just going to run down everything in free agency? Oh, oh, we did that. Okay. Well, I I like the idea of it, but it's just way too much information squeezed in. Right? Like, I like running through all of it, but it's just too much info, I think. Yeah. Free agency, baby. Hey, we tried something. It just, yeah, it got it got long and it's hard to track. Um, but that's why we're here, guys, is we love each other and we can give each other that feedback. That that's <laughs> Do not put words in my mouth, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jordan. Jordan, break down. What, your Lakers have been, other than Anthony Davis and LeBron James, the Lakers have been all over the board. What happened? And are you more positive right now or uh, about the same? Oh, what we see with the Lakers here is a typical crazy L.A. offseason. The craziness was just t- tapered and mirrored to the type of offseason that we've seen, and we've already talked about that. So we made the craziest moves, but the moves at the end of the day just weren't as crazy as compared to other years. That's all. So we, with the signing of Schroeder, Wesley Matthews, and Montrezl Harrell, uh, I think that the defensive uh, – side of the whoa that is a nice picture you got there buddy he's got a, a picture of uh miss piggy in the back and he i've never seen her look so good it was from it was in my bedroom in avenue q nice yeah is that perkins sister yeah. <laughs> well yeah i think that the, a lot of veteran pieces were added um harrell and wesley matthews will be good solid pieces to go alongside the other championship contending core losing Dwight Rondo and Danny Green I think will be mitigated by these the only thing we'll miss is Rondo's intangibles and leadership I think he did bring a lot to the team but yeah let's talk about that Dwight Howard tweet where he tweeted quote the purple and gold never gets old and how excited he was to return to LA and then immediately signed with the Sixers and deleted his tweet. Within four minutes. Yeah, and then the whole, obviously, Twitter and the internet did not forgive him and were (laughs) relentless in their responses and replies, as they should be. But, man, that is just typical Dwight. He's always 
making the headlines for some goofy or wrong reason. Um, it, it's kind of funny. Like, I, I think that, I, like, I wish Dwight well. He's a journeyman. He's been all around the league. Um, but, yeah, uh, adding Harold definitely helps because they have the now two of the premier bigs defensively. We know that AD for sure is one, but like Harold has been kind of establishing himself as one of those two and shows that by winning the sixth man of the year. I think that all of this to say that the Lakers are looking good to repeat. I think that the Warriors lost to clay hurts them substantially. And in my eyes, the Lakers should be still viewed as the favorite to be the next championship championship team. Nice. So I like that. I, I'm going to jump in quickly here. Uh, yeah. Losing Rajon Rondo, I think, is the biggest loss uh, because of his playoff ability alone. His time with the Lakers, he was in and out of injuries. He really did not do that much in free ag- or in season. But the playoff factor of Rajon Rondo cannot be denied anymore at this point. Dwight Howard. Weird that he left. It seemed like he fit. And he's had a lot of seasons where he's been a journeyman and he doesn't fit and so for him to leave somewhere where he fit where he also ended up in the playoffs taking over JaVale McGee's role who JaVale McGee is now in trade talks as well weird that Dwight Howard leaves Danny Green yeah see you later don't don't give a shit you traded out a 15 million dollar contract for Dennis Schroeder a $15 million contract. Well, and I think that Wesley Matthews was a more apt replacement. And you look at their stats side by side, they're almost identical. The only difference is that Wesley Matthews getting paid $9 million less a year than Danny was. Yeah. So, and it, the championship experience. You, but really, of course. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, Danny missed a wide open shot to win a game. Championship experience this year. I don't know how much value that really, it really matters yeah. anymore. So the Wesley Matthews, I think that's a, a very solid replacement for a lot less money. Dennis Schroeder, for the same price as Danny Green, is a superior player to Danny Green. And then Montrez Harrell, I think, is the biggest surprise. Uh, Patrick Beverly was not very happy that Montrez left the Clippers to join the Lakers. And the contract, he's getting underpaid. Yeah, he's he wants under- to win. Hey, he's on the right side of LA two now years for to actually mil. get that yeah. championship team. And honestly, I would be very surprised if. Part of his decision-making wasn't just the utter BS that's going on with the Clippers Clippers. and how whiny they are. They're one of the most drama queen-filled teams in the league. And they complain not only to the refs, but they have these antics that are like all over the game that take so much focus off of playing a damn game of basketball into being this like drama performance and showing that you're a tough guy and stuff like that. And I think that Harrell is like, you know what? I'm out. I'm going to go win a championship. Good luck to you guys. And I, I think that's it. I think that he loved the Clippers until Kawhi and Paul George showed up. And then I think he was just like, man, like, these guys aren't accountable. That's a huge thing the for dippers. me. You work your ass off and you get respect for it. We're not winning because we're talented. We're winning because we try harder than everybody else in this fucking league. And then you bring in these two guys and he takes load management days. I bet I'm you... And then Paul George, not accountable, not doing what he's supposed to do. I bet you that made the decision where he's like, who's the most accountable guy in the entire league that has won a few championships? LeBron James. Well, what would be more fun? Putting up with Patrick Beverly every day in practice or putting on (laughs) a jersey that looks good with a team that has some pretty good damn cohesion and chemistry? 
Yeah. It's a big <laughs> signing. I like it a lot. Sounds like a simple answer to me. I tell you what. That's right. Uh, One thing that really shocked me, Josh, let's jump in quick. I saw you ready to talk. (laughs) I I didn't know Danny Green was traded until I found out that he was traded again to the 76ers. (laughs) I I saw that the 76ers and Thunder made a trade for Al Horford and Danny Green. I didn't know they were able to trade him. (laughs) Danny Green and Jeff Green are trying to make sure that during their careers, Green has been on the back of every single jersey. Yeah, and Jeff Green now with Brooklyn. That dude is is the journeyman of the league. And Josh Green entering for the Dallas Mavericks. Josh, how do you feel about being drafted 18th? Uh, It's not the lottery, but it's still the NBA, right? It's exciting. Um, Can't wait. So maybe a groupie will let me sleep with them. Um, it'll be fun to lose that. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm excited. I'm just excited to be like playing with Luca. Uh, he seems yeah. nice. And uh, I think we could both wear our comb overs to the clubs and have ladies come talk to us. So that'll be fun. Um, and it's an open carry state. So I'm excited to sh- shoot people. Uh, <laughs> so it's going to be good. Uh, let's move on from Laker talk because Alex wants to go watch some football and we've been going for a long time already. Uh, corner corner. We've been playing a lot of Halo. We talked about that at the beginning of the episode. People will probably be jumping back onto Halo. I know people in the chat were talking about going to play Halo, uh, In Halo, for those of you who don't know, and I had to look it up to make sure, she has on her wrist, uh, or he has on his wrist, Cortana, who talks to him and tells him, gives him advice and gives him feedback and directs him in life. And is usually pretty sassy. And the most stunningly beautiful video game game character as well. Yeah, she's gorgeous. She's she's gorgeous. Um, Which Which NBA player would you like to have uh, live on your wrist and give you life advice. Uh, I'll go first because I'm just asking you guys this for the first time. You didn't know that I was doing, but my Cortana I would have on my lit on my wrist if I was being serious would be Malcolm Brogdon. That kid is smart. That kid is insightful. He's going to be a politician one day. The kid has tremendous upside with his brain power. So if I want someone giving me real advice through life, I want Malcolm Brogdon living on my wrist all day, every day. Uh, Alex, uh, you can't have Steven Adams on your wrist because that's too much beauty in one uh, one person. Um, who would you want on your wrist? Um, I mean, it's it's more of a coach that I'd like to have Ooh. on my wrist. Interesting. And, uh, Look at smart. It's 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 gonna be Phil Jackson, the Zen Master. Okay. If I am in a uh, alien space invasion war, yeah. I need the Zen Master because that dude smokes cigars all the time. Did I miss the question? Looks cool. And he got the nickname for a reason. He's really good. Would you have to, would you have, to have equipped on your wrist all the time like a booster seat like he had on the side bench because of his bad back? Would you have to carry that around? <laughs> uh, if he's a hologram, I would think not. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Jordan? Who's your Cortana? My Cortana would be someone who knows what he's talking about, kind of, but he's also super annoying. So every time he'd pop up on my wrist, I would just be like, shut up, Richard Jefferson, and switch it off because no one actually (laughs) wants to hear him. So uh, I feel like it's a pretty logical choice. He's got a really uh, comical voice, but as soon as you get sick of it, which will be in moments, you can just flick him (laughs) off because at the end of the day, he's just a Cortana. He's not real. Now, Jordan, that was a great pick. (laughs) 
Hey, hey, kayak and windmill. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brock, you just joined back. Who's your Cortana? I want somebody that in any situation I get in, they will not give a fuck. I want them to look at the funny side and just guide me to make ridiculous decisions. And I think there's no one better, better than Joel Embiid. I don't think he's going to care what happens to me in most situations, which will help me a lot. <laughs> He'll talk about Rihanna a lot? Yeah, I could talk about Rihanna all day with him. Yeah, I do like okay. Rihanna, yes. That's enough Rihanna yeah. talk. Yeah, I stand with Rihanna. Yeah, Joel Embiid, I just feel like it's a quite a goofy voice. Um, he's going to give me ridiculous life advice. And he's easy on the eyes. I would have thought that you would have said, like, Birdman or something, because you guys would have the same off-court habits. <laughs> Just kidding. Dion Waiters. I didn't hear what you said, Josh. Oh, I said drug habits. Oh, that's what I was uh, being political about saying. <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys, let's not talk about uh, drugs, okay? Okay, fair. Uh, so... That's been Hypothetical Corner. That's been a lot of information. That's been a long episode. If you made it to this part in the recording, uh, you're probably from Indonesia, because apparently we have a lot of listeners from Indonesia now. So that's exciting. Uh, bringing the outro music. There it is. Uh, thanks for joining us, as always, to uh, the ringer now, Bill Simmons, because we don't talk to the starters anymore. Who wants to perform for basketball? Bill? You and three of your best friends, maybe Ryan Rosillo, maybe Kevin O'Connor, maybe Chris Vernon. Let's play some basketball. Let's play some four on four. Uh, but until then, play some Halo or watch football. Alex, I love you. Goodbye. I love you as well. Brock, I love you. Goodbye. I love you too, Josh. I'm going to eat chicken pot pie. Jordan, I love you. Goodbye. I love you. Goodbye, Josh. See you in the Halo side. Uh, double double listeners, I love you. Double double. Out! All of our sounds can be found on the website. This is Hip Hop. The title of the tracks we used in this episode are This is Hip Hop, Hard Digital, and Straight to the Point. So, again, thanks for coming out, and uh, we'll see you next time.